everybody. Hey, Nick, how is it going? I haven't seen you in a while. You look hey, good. Man. Hey, Maya, it's good to see you. Thanks. I you're, wish I could say the same to you, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. You, you look great as always. Great. You're, you're not married yet, but you're getting closer. How's it feel? That's pretty good, man. It feels pretty good. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll pretty wild. You, you wait for like three more years and then uh, you'll feel how I feel. So, yeah. uh, so uh, this is we're f- together for the first time. This is our show, our new show, talking about what we love to talk about football. You know, why not try to, you know, inform everyone else? They want to hear our opinions. I think that's the fact of the matter. We have opinions and everyone wants to hear them. So why don't we make our own show? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we always talk about we know more than everybody else, and now it's time to share that with the world. Yeah, so, you know, Nick, coming into this, he has a college football background. He's also, at one point in time, you know, like, number one ranked Madden player for, like, a day. So, I mean, what more could you want from a a host of a football show? And I was on the Irmo High School B-team football team. We went undefeated. So I have a lot to bring to the table. Yeah, this is uh, this is I would say this is Brady Mahomes like last uh, last February. This is one of the that... most highly touted, you know, football partnerships in the last decade. I would. Say. Oh yeah, I mean it's right up there, absolutely. So uh, you know, before we get into everything, um, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit and tell the people who you are, what you do, uh, where where you're coming from? Yeah, sure. Uh. I'm, I'm, I'm Nick Rudman. I was Mize's roommate in college. I uh, went to school at the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina. I played football there. I, I live up in the Maryland area right now. Uh, I'm an engineer, so that means when I'm not thinking too much about engineering stuff, I'm spending all my time thinking about football and trying to prove to you, Mize, and prove to everybody else how much I, how much I know and how much I, I just enjoy the game, being around the game. Well, you do know a lot, whether you are right about all those things. It's a different story. Uh, I'm Andrew Mize, obviously. Nick alluded we were roommates in college. Uh, I didn't play football in college, but I do live in one of, you know, the powerhouse high school football areas, you know, Horry County, South Carolina, Conway. So uh, we got a lot of talent down here. I film high school football every week. I, my family owns a production company, so that's what I do is I make TV, I make, you know, uh, live broadcast sports, I, I do it all, so we have our own crack at it. You want to go on and get into it? I think we have an interesting lineup for this week. Um, uh, we, There's a lot of quarterback controversies in the NFL, whether it's who's going to be the starter, who's going to, there could be two starters, no one knows who it's going to be, what rookies are going to start, uh, offenses, defenses, all kinds of stuff. So uh, let's just roll on into that. Do you want to get us started with our uh, first topic, Nick? Yeah, sure. Um, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about it, Mize, but the San Francisco situation is really interesting, right? I mean, the weird thing is that we talk about a team and they usually draft a quarterback early in the first round. You know, usually means they're not very good. They're garbage. They're rebuilding. It's a San Francisco roster that two years ago had a double-digit lead against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, right? I mean, yeah. so the fact that this – new quarterback is, is is even just the debate of it's kind of interesting um i personally think it it's it's garoppolo 100 i think shanahan knows that his best chance of winning is with garoppolo i mean I, I did a little research and you know with garoppolo he's 22 and 8 without him 
He's seven and 27. So, you know, kind of perspective, 22 and eight. Hey, you're going to Super Bowls without him. You're drafting top five. That's interesting. That is very interesting. Um, when I think about it, I think, uh, I think Jimmy G, he's young, he's strong, but he's not as young and strong and fast as Trey Lance. Um, I think, I think Jimmy G is the devil we know. I think, uh, you've got somewhere with him. He didn't finish it out. Does he have the gas to get you the whole shebang? I don't know. Is it the Shanahan offense that you know more about than I do? But all I know is it was pretty prolific in Atlanta. It was good. You know, his dad and uh, when he kind of started it, that was a great offense. When he brought it to San Francisco, it's also been a great offense. Um, Is Trey Lance the guy to run it? Uh, He could be. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, I think – like to your point about Shanahan's offense, right? So what Shanahan's really good at, and he was this way in Atlanta with Ryan, uh, Matt Ryan, and he's, he's this way in San Francisco. He's very, very good at breaking down defensives rules. And what I mean by that is every defender is coached up through all, you know, high school, college, professional game plans. They're very specific assignments. I mean, you see it every, every game, you know, you know, someone's got outside contained, someone's got a gap, someone's got the deepest man. So, you, you know, there's always those kind of rules that defenders get beaten to their heads I mean, at all levels. What Shanahan is really good is setting up different plays and schemes. He does this a bunch of different ways to force defenders to break their rules. So to kind of give you an example, you know, you saw with an early touchdown, I think it was like an 80-yard bomb at Trey Lance through this preseason, right? So it's first drive, first and 10 at the 22 tight end set. You've got the uh, – play side tight end to play action and then the play action play side that tight ends delaying and then breaking across the field on a deep post. Well, that defender that's got him, that's outside shade of him. He's got outside contained. The moment he sees that motion going to him, the first thing he does is take a step out. The moment he takes that step out, that tight end that's walking to him is immediately breaking across the way. That guy who's covering the tight end gets caught up in the trash and the tight ends wide open. It's a big play. You know, so it's that kind of scheming and game playing that Shanahan does every week that makes his offenses really, really tough. And the question that is really going to be in the minds of a lot of San Francisco, you know, followers and NFL followers with that team is Trey Lance far enough along where he can execute it enough. Because like you said, he's a better athlete than Garoppolo is right now. He's bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, I just I just think right now the fact that Lance isn't the surefire starter and the fact that Shanahan knows I mean you you better darn well believe he's aware of his record with and without Jimmy G that if he if he goes with Lance and it goes south fast then it could be looking really short term for him in San Francisco. Well, one thing we have to take into account actually two things I have written down. One, Jimmy G's been hurt. Uh, can he stay healthy? He can. I mean, he could. He he did for a while. Uh, but does this, you know, once you get hurt once, it seems that they creep back up more and more. Uh, and the other th- question I have for you, you seem to be a little bit more educated on the X's and O's. I have more of the O's, which are opinions. Um, will some of these old Shanahan coordinators, D coordinators that are out in the world now, like your uh, Robert Salas, or uh, I believe like Mike Vrabel had a part in something as well. 
do these guys have the the code? Do they have the juice to know what to throw on the table against these offensives? Will he get? Will this system get figured out, or you think it's you know too big to fail? So it, it's kind of interesting because it's really in the simplicity of it, right? A lot of schemes are all about you know complexity, right? You use a lot of you know McVeigh does this a lot. It's a lot of motions and misdirections to get the defense moving horizontally to attack vertically. You know, you see a, a lot of other coordinators, they try and, you know, use different uh, formations and route combinations, maybe pump fakes. I mean, you see uh, uh, Reed and uh, um, Mahomes in Kansas City, right? It's a lot of, you know, uh, misdirections, a lot of funky stuff with Mahomes reversing field and things like that. Just, uh, you know, give Tyree Kill and Kelsey and all those guys chance to make big plays. Shanahan doesn't do any of that. I mean, it's all very simple. It's all bread and butter. It looks like it shouldn't be that easy, but what he's so good at is just putting uh, their plays and their players and, and, and chances to make the defenders break their rules. And so the way you beat that is you almost have to untrain defenders. It's like, look, you don't care about your rules. It doesn't matter if they're running right at you. If you're covering the tight end and he's going the other way, you're running with them. So it's hard to get defenders to buy in on it. It takes a strong, you know, defensive personality with a lot of background. And to your point, a guy like Salah in New York, I mean, he's got that background. He's got that energy. I think he could really get people on board to support that. I think um, a lot of other coaches, a lot of D coordinators can't. I mean, it's, it's tough to get that buy in from players. And it sounds like to me that the way that you explain that really maybe kind of opened my eyes. Do you want to untrain your defense for a game a year that you might play against the Shanahan system? I know a lot of people run a variation of it, but he seems to do the best job at it. Uh, you know, so do you want to break apart your defense to deal with this offense? No, no. What you do is you basically, I think uh, the Rams have a, have a good approach and you see the Cardinals are following now. Basically you get a few stars on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you've got an Aaron Donald, oh, right? Like, is that like the Cardinals? Like, well, it this was a project that I don't know if it's working, but like the Isaiah, um, the Clemson guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Simmons, I think. Yeah, Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, guy like him. I mean, they uh, quick, they, fast, big can do all do it all. Correct. Just a just a guy. It literally doesn't matter if you get him out of position; he can make a play. Yeah. Right. It just doesn't matter. Aaron Donald doesn't matter if, if, if the offensive lineman has the angle on him, he's probably going to beat him. So it's like a hybrid, you know, DB linebacker, edge rusher guy that can drop to coverage or bring the blitz, you know, whenever. Exactly. And, and, and you remember, right, I think it was two years ago, maybe even been longer than that. What, who did Seattle bring in when San Francisco was really home? They brought in Clowney. Yeah. That's that exact same purpose, right? To just be a guy who's just a record, a guy who doesn't matter what scheme you do to try and get him out of position or get him thinking. He's just, he's just so good that it doesn't matter. You know who else that reminds me of is uh, Derwin James. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, Chargers had him in Baltimore, like in the playoffs, they kind of just used him to shut them down the very first time they played. And it took a while for him to figure it out. But, uh, yeah, Th those kind of guys are very impactful, it seems. Oh, yeah. And, and really, it's 
you see some guys, some teams, what they do is they try and just get one or two of those guys. Right. And, you know, I'm a big Cowboys fan, right. As you know. Um, so they, they drafted Micah Parsons, who's kind of a tweener linebacker guy for that exact purpose, whether he does that well, you know, we'll, we'll see, but it's just to be a guy who can do it all, rush the passer, cover. And you know, I, tangle. I like that guy. Parsons. I, I obviously I watch some hard knocks and he seems like a, he seems like a good a good kid, like a good player. Uh, yeah, I mean, so far, right? But team everybody guy. looks good. Team guy. So. Yeah. But uh, I think uh, we got into that pretty good. Um, You want to move on to the next one? Yeah, sure. Uh, we have New England pencil. Oh, yeah. How could we? We should have let off with that. Matt yeah. Jones. I tell you what, I was a. Uh, Talking to some Patriots guys, it was giving them a hard time. They went from uh, Tom Brady, Mr. GQ, you know, supermodel wife, you know, wears the nice suits, you know, goes to all the fancy engagements. And their next guy, their heir apparent, is a guy named Mac from Alabama. Exactly. I, I watched uh, uh, a bar stool thing earlier, and there's a guy on there. He's a little bigger guy, and he goes, I, I like Mac Jones. I like his story because I've seen pictures with Mac Jones without a shirt on, and it makes me know that fluffier guys can – you don't have to have the chiseled abs to be an NFL star. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Mac Jones is a story that uh, – I had some stuff written down, but this was before uh, the Patriots decided to release Cam Newton a little bit earlier this week. Yeah, that um, was – that was a, kind of a surprise a little bit. I didn't think they would go that route, but I thought, you know. Well, I, I think um, – I thought the part that was interesting that even if they went with Mac Jones, right, that you'd have Cam Newton on your roster just to make opposing coaches think about Cam Newton. Yeah, what what if he comes in? Yeah, yeah. What, you know, what if goal line or short yardage is just something you got to think about. Love you, Mac Jones. Don't want you running the football, you know. Well, I, and even uh, – this happens all the time, so I think this guy's been cut and brought back like a thousand times by New England. But they even cut Hoyer, I think. I think I'm pretty sure they'll bring him back. But uh, Brian Hoyer got cut as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I guarantee you they're gonna. They, that was just a way to save probably like fifty thousand dollars or something, and they're gonna bring him back. Yeah, like you said. But uh, that you know it. They must really trust the guy. Uh, he's done great in preseason. I all you heard last week is constant constant chatter about how mac jones is the guy mac jones is the guy mac jones is the guy they cut cam newton and now you definitely they they think he's the guy too i think bill thinks he found his guy so we'll see well what's weird about that is how quiet the patriots historically have been with you know internal things you know you hear a lot about mac jones you know i, I almost kind of thought that was you know like a little head fake or something you know oh I mean, yeah like Oh, Ryan Mallett. He's one of the greatest backup quarterbacks we've ever had on this program. Brock Osweiler or uh, um, Jimmy G. And Jimmy G, you know, he is pretty good. But Ryan Mallett, man, what happened to that guy? Well, it was like, what was it? Belichick had a press conference before they played. I think it may have been Cleveland when they were going 0-16 a few years ago. And he's like, you know, I tell you what, this is this is a good football team. People people are missing out. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? They're 0-11. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, he always does that little, like you said, the pump fake on his answers. You, yeah. know, you really, it almost is, so he does it so much, he like tips his hand that when he talks too much, you're like, ah, I don't believe this anymore. But, yeah, 
this this time was different. I mean, I think it comes down is decision making at the quarterback position, right? Inaccuracy. Absolutely. I, th- I think it's. I, th- I think they tried the Cam Newton experiment. Cam was great. He was great. Uh, for the Panthers, he was great for about three, four years. Gets hurt. Uh, he hasn't been the same since. Yeah, he didn't adapt, right? He he was a phenomenal athlete, great arm, good leader, good team guy. Still was a good good team guy. Was captain last year, I think, with Patriots, in fact. But he just didn't adapt his game, right? As his physical talents waned due to the injuries, like you talked about, his decision-making and accuracy just fell by the wayside. Yeah. You know, and you saw any anyone watch Patriots games last year, right? You see a lot of three and outs. You see a lot of punts. You see a lot of games where they score 10 points just because he, he can't sustain – drives because every other throw is in the dirt i just don't think he has that juice to bind his throwing arm anymore i think yeah i think that's part of it i think a lot of leg injuries you know that base of your throwing stance is so important oh yeah but um from there where do you think cam lands anywhere Um, you know, there is rumors linking him to dallas i don't think so unless he signs for a really really that's that's what i have uh pulled up I, a little article from uh, the Yard Barker. They're very reputable. Um, yeah. uh, probably like top, top two, not two uh, sports writing articles in the country. But, uh, you know, Danucci, he looked okay, but he threw a couple bad ones there in their, what, second preseason game? Yeah, so Danucci got cut, right? Yeah. So Danucci was my favorite story from last year. He started one game against Philly. It was on Sunday night football. And it was, it, it's no one cared about the game because two garbage teams, Philly ended up winning. Um, but was like Chris Collinsworth is just laughing because he, he's watching the game, obviously. And he's, he's like, there is no offense here. It's, it, it's Danucci was just so bad. It was just getting first downs was hard. But he was like running around, throwing sidearm. It was like he was Patrick Mahomes without the talent. Yeah, he was just throwing the bums off the street almost. Yeah, and it's just who's like, what's this? This guy's garbage, but he's he thinks he's Mahomes, so it was pretty entertaining. But yeah, I think I mean the backup story in, in Dallas was talked about, but it's all just Dak, right? It doesn't matter who the backup is if Dak's not. Holding. Yeah, I heard obviously uh, uh, Dallas, Miami, possibly. Um, I don't know if anywhere else is really looking. At, you know, people always like, oh, you could back up in Baltimore. You know, anyone that in Arizona, anyone who has a mobile quarterback, yeah, exactly. but I don't even think he's really that mobile anymore. No. So, uh, one place that is not short on quarterbacks, though, they still have two, they haven't cut them yet. Uh, New Orleans, yeah, I, yeah, that's that's been an interesting decision going with, with Winston. I think, I think it shows that maybe he's changed. I definitely think he's changed. It's just a matter of, you know, you can change from 30 interceptions, right, to 22 and still be Well, he did get LASIK. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was was the problem. That was probably the problem. He was just seeing the wrong guy the whole time. I'm kind of torn on that because I don't – if he actually had eye problems, got LASIK, hey, all the power to you. Good job, man. But I kind of wonder if that was just like he actually had perfect eyesight, but he just signed up to get LASIK anyway just so that way he could – that could be his story. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, I, I I threw thirty picks in a season, but it's because I couldn't see. That's that's definitely the only reason why. Now, my question for you is, I I have two things, and I'll I'll tell you my thoughts. Uh, number one, 
do they run you know, that gadget two QB system with Winston and Hill still? Or the other part of that is if Winston falters, do they go to Hill? Because I don't think he's the guy. No, I, I answer your first question. Yeah, I think that they have to use the gadget thing. I think Hill you know, such a weapon in those roles, you know, he obviously does the special teams and stuff like that, but his ability to kind of be almost a short yardage guy, uh, the gadget plays, the reverses, the reverse passes. I think that's a big part of their offense. And and what we're forgetting here is that this is a new Orleans offense. That's a lot less talented than it's been in the past. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, we all, we, I think Michael Thomas is going to miss a lot of time, but their offense yeah. is a lot weaker. I mean, when you remove Drew Brees, you're going to take a step back. Right. I, I mean, it's even in the twilight of his career, he was still throwing it, you know, four or 5,000 yards a season. Well, and he was making good decisions, right? And he was distributing the ball well. Absolutely. Right. And, so you that, know, Winston has been known for his good decision making. Yeah. I tell you what, when, you, when I think of a guy who's made a lot of good decisions with the football in his hand, you know, Jameis Winston comes to mind. Yep. Absolutely. He's, uh, but who, where do you think they go? You know, I don't think they go to Hill, right? No, uh, no. If Winston they, isn't the guy, you know. I think I think they'd ride with Winston. I think I think Sean Payton knows that if even if they're garbage this year, which spoiler alert, I don't think they're going to be great. I think a lot of people would agree with that. His I think job's he knows, safe. Yeah, he's not worried about it at all. I think his he's trying to see the parallel. I think I I that go back in time a little bit is he's trying to do the Joe Montana to Steve Young thing because. You know, just a little history, you know, for everybody is that before Steve Young joined the 49ers, he was a, you know, was played in, when he played in the NFL, it was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They were garbage. He was garbage. Uh, but San Francisco and Coach Bill Walsh saw a lot of talent in him, brought him in to kind of learn in the system, learn under Montana. When he got a shot, when Montana got hurt, he obviously became an MVP and Hall of Famer. I think Peyton is trying to angle for a little bit of that, right? He's hoping, okay, Winston had talent. Maybe it's the organization in Tampa. Kind of hard to use that an excuse since they won the Super Bowl, but whatever. Uh, you know, maybe it was the coaching, you know, whatever. Maybe he just needed a few years with Drew Brees to learn how to handle being a, the right kind of quarterback and, you know, distributing the football and taking care of the football. So he's hoping that maybe Winston makes that leap. The fact that he didn't pick Winston from day one and early on to be the starter makes me think he didn't. It makes me think that uh, when I say he, Peyton, is hoping for the best. Yeah, and uh, counter, I think we already kind of answered this, but uh, if Winston does do good, do they try to pedal Hill to anybody or they just keep him as a I gadget? Think, I think they keep him as a gadget. I think it's it's – I think it – only in certain teams, it's not like he's so to to kind of compare him to their superstar Camara, right? At uh, the running back, everybody would want Alvin Camara because he fits everywhere. He can catch the football, he can run the football, he can do a lot of different things. Yeah, very very well. Um, you know, while uh, Taysom Hill does a lot of things well, he does only very certain things in certain situations well. And he kind of reminds me like of uh, Christian McCaffrey on Stanford. Yeah, yeah, no, that's 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 a fair comparison. Um, I kind of, yeah, I, I honestly think if he's essentially what Tim Tebow should have been, yeah, you know, coming out of college, going to Denver, what his role is is what Tebow should have been: playing special teams, gadget plays, short yardage, 
you know, kind of deal. I think, I think that's when I think of Taysom Hill, I think of, yeah, Tebow was, or should have been the first Taysom Hill. Now this, uh, this next topic is one near and dear to my uh, AFC North. Uh, something I, um, this is, I have a lot more of research I've done on this. I care about it a little bit more than the other teams. If you're one of those Browns, Bengals, Steelers, I, I try to look a little more into it. But uh, before I get into it, uh, do you have any thoughts on the Bengals specifically? Is Joe Burrow a bust? That's just tough, right? Because the organization is bad. That, I mean, and that's, that's, you know, uh, where I'm leaning is one, they have a new coach. This coach has now quickly become the coach with the losingest record, active record in the NFL percentage-wise, win percentage-wise. And they're just a bad team. Uh, Green's gone. Uh, Burrow was hurt last year. What do they do in the first round? Obviously, they drafted Penny Sewell, the O-lineman. Wait, they didn't. They draft a wide receiver, Jamar Chase, who has had hands of stone in the preseason. You know, four big drops on five attempts, you know, if he even pans out, why not get an O-lineman to protect your investment? You're setting a guy up for failure. Uh, the coach, who even knows if he's going to be a good coach? Uh, you know, it's like um, uh, Baker Mayfield in the early years with uh, Hugh Jackson and all those guys. It's like if you put them on a carousel of coaches, offensive coordinators, teammates— Nobody's gonna be good. They're they're just riding this guy into the ground, having him run for his life every play. It's like, where does it stop? I don't know. Well, and I'll do you one better, right? I think not only did they not pick, you know, you know, an offensive lineman, which I, you know, top ten pick. I, most people agree they probably should have gone. Uh, when they came time to their first pick in the second round, when everyone was like, "All right, they're gonna get the best Here offensive lineman," they traded back 15 picks to get their offensive line. I don't. It's now they may have liked the guy. We'll see. But I mean, you look at the Bengals and their, and their roster. They can't afford to, to miss on Burrow. Their whole team, their whole, I, their, their whole rebuild is around Burrow. They good teams can do that. Good teams can gamble and trade back. Yep. Bad teams can't afford to. That's why I almost respect, that crazy nut job in New York, Gettleman, for just reaching, getting the guys that he wants at regardless of what, you know, top six pick for Daniel Jones. Like, yeah, I'm going to grab him. I think he's my guy. I'm not going to risk it. You know, we're not a good team. We need to get our guys. Yeah. Bengals aren't a good team. They got to get their guys. Yeah. They will. And it's, and here's the thing with Cincinnati and, and good, com, you know, compare it with New York, like you brought up. Teams like Cincinnati, they're not exactly a free agent hotspot. Oh yeah, definitely not. You know, so it, you know, Cincinnati, Ohio, such a great place to live. Parties yeah. all the way. You know, it's like a Miami of the North. Yeah, it's it's, it's the Miami of Southern Ohio, right? Um, but it's you know you see that's what you teams like uh, you know like. Like Cincinnati, you see it some with Green Bay, right? Where you just, they don't have the ability to bring in quality free agents. You cannot miss on the draft. 
You cannot miss on the draft. You can't get cute with the draft either and try and, oh, I want to get a, a value pick here or I want to get an extra fifth rounder here because you have to, you're not going to get studs in free agency. You got to get good players when you have the chance to get them in the draft. It's and not about building a deep roster because you're not going to be able to get a chance to get the stars. You got to get stars on the draft. And exactly. they, got with, they got it with Dalton. They got it with AJ Green. They got it with uh, Pecco, you know, way back when. And they had a good run there with Marvin Lewis, but they haven't had that success since then. And we see it with how well, bad back it then is. they had uh, the law firm, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. And then uh, there's another running back they had as well. Uh, there's kind of like a tag team there for a minute. And, you know, th- yeah. those are some good teams. They, they did. They, were. Yeah. they had Vontis Burfs. I'm glad that he's not oh, there yeah. anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, scary player to play against. But uh, yeah. like you said, Cincinnati isn't getting the free agents. You know where it is, though. Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Rams, yeah. big time. Um, Let's... I have a th- I have some thoughts on the Stafford golf situation. We'll kind of wrap all that into one. Uh, I know you have a lot on McVay and why he's such you know the coach call play caller that he is. Uh, let me hit you with some stuff on Stafford golf. I'll give you my opinion, and then you can maybe either dispute it with what you think, but what I think is support what I'm trying to say here. Sure. So what I looked up. Stafford, through his NFL career, so let's say starting 2011 when he really started to get going, since then he's averaged 4,200 passing yards a season and at least 25 touchdowns a season. You know, there might have been like a little bit, like one season, I think, uh, 2018, where it's down a little bit, but it was either over or at that every year. Jared Goff similar he's averaged around like in his three four seasons four thousand yards 20 touchdowns a season but this is where it gets interesting in college stafford here's his numbers okay starting from his sophomore year forward 1700 yards seven touchdowns then when he became the starter at georgia 2500 yards 19 touchdowns in his final year 3500 yards 25 touchdowns so you see the growth and even from there 3525 he's excelled his passing yardage he's excelled his touchdowns he's constantly improving now you got a guy like golf coming out of cal uh 3500 yards 18 touchdowns first season 3900 yards 35 touchdowns next season then he got 4,700 yards and 43 touchdowns his last season. And ever since he's hit the NFL, it's kind of just been regression, especially in his QBR from 2018. He's slid. So I I think Stafford's a guy who came in and with what he had, you know, he did have, you know, an all-pro first ballot Hall of Fame wide receiver. But other than that, he didn't have much of a team. I would say, uh, in Detroit, they weren't like contenders or anything like that. Uh, golf came onto a team that all they really needed to make the Super Bowl was a quarterback, and they did make that Super Bowl. But who is it, McVay? And now does McVay have a guy that he can win it with, or was golf really that good? Yeah. So 
the answer is as much as I hate to join the McVeigh train too much, but I think he gets a lot of credit when maybe it's not all deserved. Um, I think with golf, it is McVeigh, right? And you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the, the guy, when he came out, you know, as highly touted as he was out of Cal was a high draft pick, right? He has not lived up to the standards. I mean, the offense that he lives in is, is so quarterback friendly. It's even more so than Shanahan, to, you know, to give a little more breakdown is what McVeigh does. You know, it's pretty, it's very simple, but it's very smart. He is all about using horizontal action, right? Left to right, sideline to sideline to create vertical seams to attack. So a good example is this, right, is the speed sweep that he kept bringing back. And the goal was to get players moving on the moving on defensive line to react. And then he would run behind it or hit play action behind it. As defenders are moving horizontally, he attacks vertically. And if the defenders don't move horizontally, it's like, okay, we'll just hand the ball off to the speed sweep. We'll get 10 yards a pop. So it's just very, very simple. It's all about moving defense horizontally to attack vertically. Now, what that does from a quarterback position, from what Goff had to do, is it cleared up the picture of his reads so easy, right? Because if it's a play action or bootleg or, or whatever, if everybody on the defense is moving a direction, right? If everyone's moving this way, and I know I, I know where my receiver's got to end up, all I've got to wait for is my defender to get past a certain point, and then I can hit him. Right. Obviously, it's more complicated than that, but that's the basic gist of it. And outside of one year where they went to the Super Bowl, Goff has struggled with a lot of the decision making and turnovers. When and a I, lot of times, I agree with that because I think in the yeah. Super Bowl, one thing I saw and I heard this afterwards is uh, what Belichick would do is he'd send in two defensive schemes at the same time. They'd line up in one. And wait until because does the headsets in the helmet cut off after a certain point? And as yep. soon as that cutoff happened, he would tell them to call the second defensive scheme, and they would switch the look. And golf isn't the guy making that decision. Correct. Yeah. So when when the picture is not clear for golf, right? When it's not McVay's offense, he struggles. Yeah. Right, and that's the reason. Like you know, at at Berkeley, at Cal, where he quarterbacked, right? A lot of colleges, especially in the Pac-12 where he played in, the defenses are very basic and simple. It's a lot of spread offenses where these guys coach their quarterbacks up to make, you know, the reads are very simple. Look here. If he's over here, throw there. If he's over there, throw over there. And it's, you know, not being too much of a, you know, SEC stand, but you see a guy like Stafford having success in the SEC against all these teams who I would consider superior talent to the Pac-12. Uh, what what more can you ask for? I mean, well, and it's not even just the the talent too, right? Georgia is a very power running team. They're very that's what they classically do. They're they're not an air raid spread guy. So even an offense like Florida or Alabama has become Auburn too. Um, Georgia has traditionally and stayed more, and especially when Stafford was there much more compact, more eye formation, more not so much hurry up spread attack that's designed to make things easier for the quarterback and pump up the stats. And Stafford, to your point, still excelled. Yeah, he's he's a heck of a player. I think yeah, they he, got a guy. Uh, well, you know, yeah. if I had money, you know, within the next couple of years, I'd say they make a run. I don't know yeah, if they I, make it there, but I said they, they, they start hitting those playoffs and, uh, you know, people aren't, they're a little more worried now. Yeah, and I definitely think, right, because especially in the playoff games where you're playing Rodgers or Brady or, or if you're in the AFC, Mahomes or, or Josh Allen or one of those guys. You mean Lamar Jackson, but I get your Lamar, point. Lamar, 
Lamar Jackson, absolutely. Of I get your point. Um, if we're going to throw Lamar Jackson in there, might as well throw Ryan Tannehill in there, right? But yeah, um, exactly. uh, when you're playing those guys, it's so much of a quarterback on quarterback game, right? You know, who doesn't make the mistakes, who manages the game, who makes the big plays. And a lot of times what Goff has failed to do, and, you know, he brought the Patriots, great example. He failed to make the plays that he could have made the game where it was the read wasn't clear. You got to make a big throw in a big situation. Brady didn't play his best game that day, but he made a couple big throws when yep. he needed to make them. And that's the difference. And that's what Goff hasn't had. Uh, Stafford hasn't had a lot of opportunities, obviously, from Detroit, but I think it's a good fit. And I, I, I like your pick there. I think I think L.A. has a, has a, has a good situation over these next few years. You know, exa- when I have the choice to put the game in Stafford's hands or Goff's hands, I'm picking Stafford every time. Yeah, Stafford. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, someone else who, well... We'll we'll make a little blanket statement just to cover our basis first, but uh, moving to the Texans situation, there's only one thing to talk about there. Uh, Deshaun Watson, we won't get into the legal trouble because that's all unresolved. If he's innocent, I wish him the best. If he's guilty, I hope he doesn't play anymore. Um, but we'll move on from there because there's been a little inkling in the league. Uh Miami might be interested. A couple other places might be. I heard Miami's very interested. Uh, is there a market out there for Deshaun still? Yeah, I mean, obviously, allegations aside, right? I mean, the guy is dynamic. He's a top five, top eight quarterback in the NFL. I mean, he's outstanding. He's won in college. He's been to playoffs as an NFL uh, quarterback, and he's, he's carried that load from his rookie year. I think he started fairly early on. Um I think he's an upgrade over 2025 positions, uh, 2025 teams for the quarterback position. I think he's better than Tua. Um, yeah. Honestly. Uh, I, I just think it's a matter of, you know, locker room fit, right. You know, character and all of that stuff and money. I mean, Watson's not cheap. No, that he's very expensive. Top 10 no. paid player in the NFL. Well, and I think the I'm, I'm curious, and this is where I'm, I'm waiting for it. I don't know what's going to happen if, the Houston, because they want to dump Watson like nobody's business. Oh, yeah, they, they want out. Well, they agreed to basically bear the burden of his contract just to get rid of him. I don't know. Because if that happens, then I think Miami is a very viable destination. Yeah. Uh, and then the counterpoint is, is he good enough that another team will take on that contract and everything that comes with him as a player to – I and I don't I don't know. I think – I think you're on to something. I think that Houston's going to have to dangle some bait out there. Like, hey, listen, we'll eat this. Uh, you know, we'll take the cap hits. You take the player and we'll just chalk it up to a loss. Which uh, leads me into our next topic about Houston is what what are they doing up there in that front office? Like, I've read some other stories. Like, Deshaun aside, uh, Hopkins aside. Uh, Laramie Tunzel, uh, that whole, I, I don't agree with that one. Uh, Dwayne Brown, I think that was a guy. Why you let him go? Uh, and then I see this, uh, Shaq Lawson, another Clemson guy who had promise, I think, as a linebacker, maybe not living up to it, but they're just dealing everybody. Like, I, I feel like if Bill O'Brien was still there, he'd have been like, I'll uh, give you Watson and two first round picks and we'll eat the cap and you can have them. Well, yeah. well, it's, it's, it's even weirder now, right? Cause 
Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Is Baltimore a hardcore passing team? Uh, I would say no. Right. And so when I think of, you know, quarterbacks, coaches that I'm looking to lead my offense, lead my team, I wouldn't think to go Baltimore. But I guess you got to go Houston a lot of credit, right? They went the other way. You know, but they made their choice. And a few things will be answered this season. For me, as a fan of Baltimore, I didn't put them on the list. Uh, there's a little bit of Dallas stuff for me later that I'm going to talk about, but uh, I don't put them on the list. Uh, we might talk about them later, but obviously you're a Cowboys fan. I'm a Ravens fan. I don't want to put my bias on everything. Obviously, uh, it's going to be a Dallas Ravens Super Bowl, and we oh. get that out of the way for later in the show, but, you know, obviously, obviously. Uh, but so one one thing happened. Either that uh, QB uh, passing game coordinator is going to excel, and I'll be like, wow, Baltimore's the problem. Uh, or he's going to fail, and I'll be like, he was the problem. That was the, that was the problem. It's, it's so bizarre, right? Because it's – I mean, that, that guy must have had a hell of an interview, right? So great, great job because that I, – I, I don't know how you win that interview. He's a real you know, people person. I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah. anything about quarterbacks, but I'm a team guy, and that's yeah. not what yeah. you want from your coach. <laughs> You're, yeah. So, oh, yeah. It's, it's – you want it's a little bit more upstairs than that, I think. And then, uh, gosh, Jack Easterby. Big oh, Jack Easterby guy, right? Big yeah. Jack Easterby guy. Uh, Love him. He's, he makes it interesting. We'll, we'll just leave it at that. Jack yeah. Easterby makes the NFL more exciting because you never know the next hidden gem that they develop into a you know, first ballot Hall of Famer could come to your team for nothing. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The other 31 teams are just waiting to see what Jack Easterby will do next just because it will be bad for Houston and great for them. All right. And now uh, I think something we've all been waiting to talk about a little bit. Jacksonville Jaguars. There's a lot going on down there. So many new changes. And Trevor Lawrence, number one overall draft pick, isn't the most interesting one to me even. Uh, You had Tim Tebow experiment. You have the Urban Meyer experiment. Uh, there's so much going on down there. Um, you got the Gardner Minshew thing. It's, there's a, so much going on in Jacksonville. Uh, I will let you start and then I'll chime in. Um, do you have any th- thoughts on any of that? Oh, let's, I'll ask you a question first. Is Trevor Lawrence the future in Jacksonville? Yeah. I mean, I think he definitely is. I think the, I mean, he's obviously a supreme talent, great college career, seems to be a, a well-rounded person, and by all means, it looks to be a very good football player. I think the challenge, and I think it's actually more Urban Meyer than Trevor Lawrence, but I think there's yeah. a little bit there. Urban Meyer has not had a losing season as a head coach. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence hasn't had a losing season as a quarterback. Yeah. In, in forever, maybe, I don't know, probably never. Um, and certainly. Jacksonville yeah. hasn't had a winning season in a long time. Yeah, and I mean they're going to go five and eleven, right? Or five and twelve, sorry, six and eleven. Like they're not, they're not going to be a great team. They could be even worse. I mean, depending how things break. What they were like one and fifteen last year. Yeah, they're pretty number one overall pick, right? So I mean, it's 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 not brimming with talent. They had a fire sale themselves, anyways. You know, uh, Leonard Fournette's gone. Um, The linebacker they had that was so good. He's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, Miles Jack. Yeah, him. He's gone. Uh, 
you know, all the talent on that team has disappeared or has a drug or alcohol problem and is no longer <laughs> playing. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I getting more into the Urban Meyer thing, and this is covers the Tim Tebow thing. You know, I I like Tebow. I like the guy. He's a nice guy. Uh, heck of a college player. He did some cool things in the NFL a while ago. He went uh, to my hometown, Columbia, South Carolina, played on the Fireflies baseball team down there. Uh, you know, really great athlete. I wish we got to see, like, something, you know. I thought he was, like, the emergency QB for Lawrence, maybe. All all else fails, they, like, throw Tebow in, but he's not on the team anymore. Uh, that That was an Urban Meyer thing. I think they were... There's a connection there. They tried it, didn't work out. But th- how he got cut and how other players are getting cut down there, this whole college system in the NFL, going lining guys up in drills, like best three out of five in pancake blocking drills or, you know, Oklahoma or whatever, like that's how you're cutting guys? That seems crazy. Yeah, it's – so – you know, we, we did a few of those drills, obviously, when, when I played and, you know, a little inside baseball, everybody thought they were stupid, even at the college level. I just right? like asking to get hurt. Well, it's not, only, it's only that it's not, it's, it's nowhere near representative of a game. Yeah. You don't lay on your back and jump up and hit each other in football. I just, yeah. you know, that's, that's not, that's not how we're playing the game out here and, and even drills even competitive drills like one-on-ones or something like that even that's not a game right even representative of game you know because you know offense obviously knows the play they're running pass run scheme defense knows their assignments and scheme and all of that and down and distance and situations and all that stuff so it's the drill it's just not good it's just not a very it makes me way. feel like meyer the next season we see him he's running the Pro Bowl QB accuracy game where they have to hit the target. Whoever gets the highest score, that's our starter. Because I think he exactly. was on the record saying, you know, uh, I at Ohio State it was I'm gonna play you because I like you. I'm gonna play you because you're an Ohio guy. Like what? What are we doing? Like he's like, oh, I'm gonna play the best guy. The best guy plays. Why not use the seasons of experience? that you've seen these guys on tape, why are we basing it off of drills and practice? Right. Especially when a lot of these guys, you know, they're, they're veterans, right? Like you said, they've got tape, they've got a lot of tape. They're, they're also professionals, right? They've, they're probably not giving their all in drills at practice. Absolutely not. When you get paid, let's say $300,000 a game, I mean, even if it's the last, if you're a lower tier player, like $50,000 a game, and, you know, you get paid game by game by game, and then you get whatever your salary, bon- uh, your signing bonus is. You're not sacrificing a potential game check, right? Because if you're on injured reserve, you don't get all that. You only get your uh, signing bonus, the guaranteed chunk. So you, your game check gets cut, right, by, by whatever rate if you're put on injured reserve. There is no reason to put that in risk at training camp. And players know this. That's why players, the preseason is worthless to a lot of veterans because – I mean, you saw what happened with Dobbins with Baltimore, right? It's just, yeah, unfortunately. It, yeah. It, well, it, and it just, every player in Baltimore, there we have like everyone was like all of our receivers were hurt, running yeah. backs getting hurt, like every. Uh, I don't know, and that and that brings you know this is like maybe for a later date, but the whole like preseason workouts, training camps, you know, preseason games, is it worth it? I don't know, and you know, I don't. Who knows? 
Yeah, so my general theory is that, in especially in college, right, coaches have training camps because they want to get players on campus before the school year starts to break their summer habits and keep them out of whatever, whatever they're, you know, those college kids are doing these days, you know, on their vapes and their, you know, whatever dabs, whatever kids do nowadays. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I think that that was a big role to it, right. Was to get that, that structure and get them off, but get them off the, the, the trouble and things that could potentially be getting into. I, I think it's, the NFL, it's stupid. I mean, it, it doesn't make any doesn't make any sense. Why on God's green earth? Even Trevor Lawrence. I mean, the guy knows how to play football. You know, get him in walkthroughs. Get him in some like shorts and t-shirt practice once a day. You know, for three weeks in the comfort of his own home because that's what he's going to have to do during the season, right? So, like in college, I mean, you remember when when I had camp, I'd come into our our, our room. I'd be in before you guys, and I'd be that was my room. That's where I lived all through the school year. So where I lived in camp was the same thing I lived during the season and all that oh, stuff. Yeah. These, these guys, these players, they go for training camp. That's not where they live. Oh, yeah, like Dallas is with hard knocks and Oxnard or wherever they're going yeah. for their camp. It's like they're packing bags. They're not even at home. They're, you know, eating on the road. It, it's it's not the same, you know. It's no. not. It's like when you travel for work a lot. Uh, I travel for work uh, time to time. When you're out, you're not making – it's not the same. You're not getting the best sleep. You're not getting the best nutrition. It's just not the same. Yeah, so, But uh, we're, we're running into uh, – we're at our 45-minute mark. We'll keep going. I want to touch on one more thing about Jacksonville. I know you want to touch on one more thing about Seattle, and we're going to move on to our predictions. Yep. Um, th- and this is quick, but I want to get your – this is my thought, okay? Is Gardner Minshew going? Is Minshew Mania gonna replace Fitz Magic? Is it gonna be the new perennial backup QB that you try? Like who has the swagger? He's got you know, not not the beard. He's got the mustache. You know the jorts. Like is this gonna be the new like juice you put into your team to get you from year to year? So. I'll tell you what, I don't think it is. I don't think it will be. I think it already is. And I think that's why Urban Meyer got rid of him. I think he was. He's scared. He's scared. Yeah, Trevor think... came into that locker room. He sees the handlebar mustache. He sees the jorts. And he goes, this guy yeah. right here, I, it could be my dad. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I got to get out of here. Well, not only is Trevor worried that Gardner Minshew could be his dad. I think Trevor Lawrence wants Gardner Minshew to be his dad. Yeah, and I think. Trevor Lawrence's dad's actually worried that his mom's going to see Gardner Minshew and is going to be like, wow, what am I doing with this guy? I could Gardner's available. I, right. I mean, and I think Urban, to his credit, recognized that as a potential dilemma. A Good problem. for Urban for yeah. getting that locker room distraction out early. Uh, you know, bad for – I. where did he land in on the Bears? Philly. Or Philly. 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 Uh, you know, good for Philly. Maybe they got their guy. Yeah, for I mean, two years or a year, and then they move on. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's just the way it is. I think. Uh, Look what happened for Tampa. Tampa had the Fitz magic, and now what are they doing? They're winning Super Bowls. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, Seattle. Yep. Do they let Russ cook? Yeah, you got to right. I mean, this is a guy you know. So Richard Sherman famously broke his leg. 
gave the middle finger to his own sideline in September, I think 2018, right? So we're talking three full seasons, 18, 19, 20, with the Legion of Boom. Now Thomas, gone. right? Earl Thomas? Earl Thomas, yep. I'm sorry. So Earl Thomas is hurt, gone. Richard Sherman was already gone. You know, the Legion of Boom is, is decimated. Defense is nowhere near what it once was. Russell Wilson still wins 33 games, goes to the playoffs each of those three years. You know, he's putting up big numbers with garbage offensive line. No name running backs, right? Decent receivers. Metcalf's a player, right? Lockett, like, not too Lockett. bad. Lockett's a big play guy. Tight ends, they're they're okay. But they have like um, Luke Wilson or something like that at part time. Yeah, they, they have, have uh, the Graham. Yeah, Jimmy Graham. Graham for a little while. Um, and and the I guess the point is he's even those guys have come and gone, right? And the team's still been consistent and good with Russell Wilson. You know, we, I think everybody thinks Russell Wilson is good. I think he's very underrated. I think uh, he's the stir that straws that drink. He's dynamic. He's right up there, in my opinion, with the Aaron Rodgers in the NFC and the NFL. Quarterback he's, good. he's good. He's great. Uh, well, you know, a lot of people want him on their team. Uh, there was a point in time where they said they should have ran it. Don't give it to Russ. Give it to Marshawn. But now I think that sentiment has changed. We just got to give it to Russ more. Yeah. Well, I think the problem was, right, that he was throwing it to a guy who got beat to the spot by Malcolm Butler, who just announced he was retiring. So Malcolm Butler's gone. Russ's problems are gone. So exactly. it's, we're, it's, we're it's safe. Smooth we're safe. Um, we got some things we can talk about next week, uh, but I want to get into our prediction segment. Uh, there's, there's some interesting stuff, some interesting questions the fans want to hear. I know it's episode one, but we have millions of fans already, everybody. Uh, this is a highly touted show. Um, big brains out here doing big things. So, Absolutely. number one, I want to hear you. Who you got offensive rookie of the year? Quarterback from Alabama, Mac Jones, right? Now that Newton's gone, they spent a lot of money, right, getting offensive weapons around him. He's got McDaniels, who's a good OC. They've got a good defense, good organization. This is a Patriots team that was hurt. They had COVID issues, and they were recovering from Brady. They still went seven and nine last year, beat a lot of good teams. I think this is a division that they could potentially even win, maybe sneak into the playoffs. Mac Jones is a great story. It's a big deal. Quarterback position is loved by that committee. I think Mac Jones, 17 game starter, you know, he's going to have a chance to put up a lot of good numbers and win a lot of games, be on TV a lot. I think Mac Jones wins it. That's a big one, being on TV. Uh, and that's not a bad pick. I have the odds pulled up. He's plus 600 in the number two spot right now uh, for the way too early preseason predictions. I have someone different, though. Not a QB, not even a running back or a wide receiver. I have tight end Kyle Pitts for Atlanta. Uh, I think he's going to be a weapon. I think that's a team who is missing Julio now, who will always throw the ball. I think he fills in that role. If he can put up Calvin Ridley type numbers uh, and Calvin Ridley puts up Julio type numbers, I think we're talking someone who's got a chance. Uh, he's a little bit lower on the list, probably in the seventh ranked spot. He's at a uh, plus a thousand, but you know, it's a little bit out there, but I kind of have a good feeling about him. He looked good in preseason. He looked good in college. So I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think, uh, Right. And Arthur Smith from Tennessee, offensive coordinator in Tennessee, used Delaney Walker a lot, a lot of play actions. 
if he wasn't using Delaney Walker, he was using A.J. Brown. Pitts is kind of an in-between tight end receiver. I think there's a lot of big plays. He's a great athlete. Matt Ryan is a good quarterback. So, yeah, I think I think that's a good pick. Defensive rookie of the year. Who do you got? So my gut says Micah Parsons, right? Even though it's a fanboy pick at linebacker, but I'm gonna try and go against my gut and my better judgment here. I'm gonna go Patrick Sertan Jr. out of Denver. I do like that. Denver's great at uh, developing corners. Exactly. They got a defensive coach. They've got a division where I know people say, well, he plays Mahomes twice. He's going to get picked on a lot. I don't think so. I think that's a chance to get on TV a lot. I think if he picks off Mahomes, makes a few big plays against Mahomes and guys like that, I think that helps his case. I think Denver's going to be better with Bridgewater because they're not going to be on the field as much. I think Sertan's going to get a lot of chances. I think he's your defensive rookie of the year. I think that's a good pick. You didn't do it. I'll do it for you. I picked Micah Parsons. I like him. I think he's fast. You look at history here. Who's winning defensive rookie of the year? You got edge rushers. You got one DB. I believe Marshawn Lattimore was a safety, I think, or DB. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who else you got on that list? Darius Leonard. A guy Parsons reminds me a lot of. High motor. He's a little, he's bigger than Leonard, but high motor guy, you know, running around, making tackles, getting to the ball. Getting interceptions, possibly. I saw his hands in camp. Uh, I think he's a guy who get who gets the numbers that you need to be a defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, and I, I sure hope so. I mean, I'm I'm all for that one. And now MVP. Who you got for NFL MVP? So I got I got a good one for you. I think you brought up a name earlier. I got Christian McCaffrey out of Carolina. People forget this. In 2019, he was obviously hurt last year. In 2019, he had the third most yards from scrimmage in NFL history, right? And and I got to reference my own notes here. In that same year, he had more receptions. He's a running back. He had more receptions than Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins, right? This is a guy that puts up numbers. He's going to fill the stat sheet. And guess what? He's got a cornerback in Sam Darnold. That's going to play a little conservative. He's got a coach that wants his quarterbacks and his teams to be more conservative, not as aggressive. Safety blanket. The guy's going to have a lot of catches, a lot of yards. They're going to pound the rock. And I think Carolina is a rebuilding team. They finished 5 11 last year, but they blew a lot of late leads. I think that's a team that could potentially win 10, 11, 12 games, get into the playoffs. McCaffrey has a breakout, another breakout year, another big year. I think he's kind of a sleeper pick to win MVP. Run CMC, baby. Absolutely. Um, and we'll be on the scene, live reporting from Carolina's first game this yep. year, and we'll tell you how it goes. We'll tell yeah. you how he looks in person. Uh, I have a little different. We did talk about this earlier a lot. I think Matt Stafford's got a chance. New team, new coach, a lot of weapons. You know, he's healthy. He's looking good. I saw him. Uh, I believe him and McVeigh were on vacation together when the news broke. How weird is that? You know, that wasn't planned, but I'm sure it wasn't. But yeah, that's I, just I, natural I, synergy, right? You just yeah, they're just meant campaign. to be. It is the stars aligning. The gods have given him his guy. I don't know who McVeigh paid off, but he's got a guy. He's got a guy that can put up big numbers. You know, everyone loves a comeback story. Uh, it. I like Stafford. 
as a you know outside baseball type of pick. Uh, he's not too far down the list. I, I like Stafford. I like yeah, Stafford. I think that's yeah. I, yeah, it's a good choice. All right. Uh, and currently McCaffrey a little lower. He's at plus sixty six hundred okay. in the odds. Uh, Stafford is currently at plus two thousand. Obviously, he's a quarterback, so it's going to give us some juice. But running backs have won MVP before, so it's not uncalled for. I think these are both good ones. Uh, outside of the Dallas-Baltimore, what do you got for your Super Bowl? What's your so Super I got, so I, I won't pick the winner, but I got two teams for you, and I'm going to stay aggressive on my picks. I'm going to go Seattle-Tennessee, and here's why. Yep, I, I think the AFC is getting weaker. I think Kansas City is getting slower with age. I think they're not going to be quite as good. I think Tennessee with Derrick Henry has the ability to go on the road. We saw it a couple of years ago and beat anybody in the playoffs. I think Ryan Tannehill is a little bit better than people give him credit for. And I think Julio Jones gives that offense an element that just takes them to the next level. We already talked about Houston and Jacksonville. That's not a great division. You know, I, I think there's a great chance they get 12, 13 wins. I think they're in a good position. I think they make a run for it. And Seattle, look, the NFC is wide open. Green Bay is just Aaron Rodgers and a bunch of guys. The NFC East is not good. The, the NFC West is basically where the talent is with San Francisco. They've got the quarterback situation, Arizona. Kyler Murray, we don't know yet. I think the, the known commodity, Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, and I think that stability carries them through the playoffs. I think Seattle and Tennessee meet in the Super Bowl. I'm with you on Seattle. Not so much Tennessee, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Derrick Henry. I will say he's a monster. He's can't be stopped. He's too big to fail. Literally. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. I got another crazy one. You know, I think everyone probably guessed this from my picks so far, but I've got the Rams and I've got Buffalo. I really like what Buffalo has got going on. I like Josh Allen. Uh, I like the fans in Buffalo. Uh, I think that year of not being able to jump on tables, you know, they, they have rallied together. Uh, but more importantly, I think Buffalo had a lot of really good pieces last year. I think they only got better through the draft. I think they have a good shot. You know, obviously we're not picking our own teams because like we said, it's going to be Dallas, Baltimore easy, but Buffalo, I really like Buffalo. I agree with you on Kansas city. I think they got their shot. You know, they made it to two Super Bowls, 1-1. I think that was their window. I think they get slower. I think they get older. And I think next year they lose a lot of guys due to cap casualty. Um, I think Buffalo is going to make a resurgence. Yeah. They made it far last year. Made it make, it, make it far again this year. So, and then finally, the, what everyone has been waiting for. Uh, who do you have Walter Payton Man of the Year? Yeah, so... There are a couple of ways to go about this. I like Jalen Hurts in Philly. Okay. I think he's a good story. People know him as a character guy from how he handled Alabama and, and, and being benched for Tua and, and True. doing that and then going to Oklahoma and doing his thing, and now he's the starter. I don't know what he does in the community. I just feel like the way he handles himself, he's very mature. He's very responsible, very team guy. I could see him as a guy who, who's doing a lot in his community, whether it's – in Alabama or Philadelphia or, or whatever. And I think Philadelphia is kind of rebuilding. They're going to need a story. I think he's going to have a chance to to really kind of step out with some off the field stuff. So I'm going to go Jalen Hurts. I think 
Uh, actually, I'm not sure on this one. Tell me. He's not, it's like a weird situation. So here's who I got. I got Larry Fitzgerald. I know he's not on a team right now, but I know he's also not retired. Right. I think he waits mid season and comes on a contenders team. Maybe like a Rams, maybe like somebody uh, picks him up. But I think he wins it again. Uh, actually, I don't know if he have ever won it before. I assume he has. Yeah, I think he won it. Uh, yeah, he, he has won it before. Um, I think, you know, a little retirement send-off. I think he's uh, he pulls it out again. But he's got to make it on team first. So we'll see what happens. All right. Well, I think it was a good show. What about you? I think, we, uh, you know, we covered a lot of topics have a lot of things going on. Uh, I think it went good. Can you join me next week? Yeah. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be talking football, man. It's, it's excited to be that time of the year again. It's ready it's to get back. Going. And it's yeah. not as daunting as it was last year. It feels no. for sure. It feels for sure this year. There's going to be fans. There's going to be football. There's going to be fun. So, all right. Well, I think uh, we will tell the fans adieu and we'll see everybody next time. 